Is it possible for all the animals to fit on the ark? Find out today on InGrace. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Hi, this is Jim Scudder, and today on In Grace, we are continuing our tour of Noah's Ark. We started this last week. Today, we're going to be bringing you part two of our awesome conversation with Bodie Hodge. Bodie Hodge is the son-in-law of Ken Ham. He has his own credentials as a scientist and speaker, and he really has some great answers to all of the big questions that people are asking, like how big was the ark? How could all the animals have fit on the ark? You know, could the ark have survived the the onslaught of the waves and the turbulence, and so on and so on and so on. So we're going to be going through the actual ark today, and you're going to be hearing our tour of Noah's ark, and I think. Think it'll be a huge blessing to you as you learn more about the book of Genesis, about creation, about the judgment of God upon the earth with a global flood. And uh, we're going to talk about other things as well. So part two, a tour of Noah's Ark today here on In Grace. And you're probably wondering, how can I get this video? Well, we're thanking our supporters of In Grace with a video, a full-length video. What you're going to hear today is a very short portion of our entire series, a tour of Noah's Ark. So we have the video either by DVD or digital download. And it's our way of thanking you for supporting In Grace. With a gift of any amount, I'm going to thank you by sending you this this video. Now, some of you can give a little bit more. So if your gift can be $35 or more, we're going to send you another great creation video. It's a walk through the Creation Museum with Ken Ham, a wonderful, wonderful interview and tour that you'll enjoy. And then a third video, as our way of thanking you, is Exploring God's Ocean, where I uh, scuba dive in the Florida Keys with a marine biologist with a PhD, and you're going to absolutely love Robert Carter, and all the kids really enjoy this one, especially because you're going to see sea turtles and sharks and night diving. It's crazy. It's a lot of fun. So all three of these creation videos for you, for your gift of $35 or more, is our way of making sure we can continue to do what we do here at In Grace. We trust the Lord. We trust we rely on your gifts and um, your prayers. And so if you'd like to give a gift to Ingrace, you're going to get some of these creation resources as our thank you. Now, let me tell you how to get those. You can call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. 1-800-78-GRACE. Now, if it's after hours, just leave us a voicemail and we'll get back to you. Or anytime, day or night, you can go to our website, ingraceradio.com, and there you can click on the Tour of Noah's Ark and the Creation Bundle. Uh, that's ingraceradio.com. Some of you would prefer to write to us, and you can do that at ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. We'll repeat all that in just a second. One last thing before we get into today's exciting episode on Noah's Ark. We are going on a cruise 
to Alaska. It's called a creation cruise, and I have Bruce Malone, a great creation speaker, and his wife coming. My wife and I will be there. We would love to host you, to get to know you. Uh, Radio and and podcasts are just such a one-way avenue. I want to have some feedback. I want to get to know some of our InGrace friends. And so if you're interested in cruising Alaska with InGrace, it's coming up this July. You can get a free brochure on our website, which is InGrace radio.com. Click on travel, ingraceradio.com. Click on travel. Now, you're going to absolutely love what we're going to learn today here on Ingrace. And thank you so much for being a loyal listener. Just call us 800-78-GRACE or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at Ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. So this sign is talking about the dinosaurs that would have been on yeah. the ark. And, and these are massive, right? Yeah. You yeah. have a dinosaur at the Creation Museum, mm-hmm. and it's huge. Yeah. So obviously you have a big ship, but <laughs> is there another explanation of how these huge dinosaurs could have fit on the ark? Yeah, really what it is, they, they would take the smaller dinosaurs on board the ark. You know, there's no sense in taking the, the, the great-great-grandparents on board the ark Take the smaller, the younger, the juvenile. Less food, less space, less waste. These are all advantages on board the ark. And they are going to be the ones that will be reproducing longer after the flood as well. Correct, correct. You want a good breeding stock when they come off. And, uh, you know, if you take, I think the maximum numbers on board the ark was about 85 kinds of dinosaurs. So with 85 kinds, I mean, you're looking at, what, 160, 170 individuals on board the ark. Smaller ones, they easily fit on board the ark. See, that's stuff that I don't know everyone has thought through, but it, it makes sense. You know, another thing a lot of people don't think about is certain dinosaurs are actually quite small. There are some dinosaurs as small as a chicken. So some of these things are actually really little. And so we probably wouldn't have required the juveniles, but they might have done it anyway. How long did it take Noah to build his ark? You know, that's a very popular question as well. Uh, In the Bible, you know, there's a 120-year countdown to the flood. And a lot of people think, oh, it took him 120 years. They just automatically translate that number. But that's probably not the case. If you look closely, when God says, hey, Noah, I want you to build an ark, he says, I want you to build an ark for you, your sons, and your sons' wives. So his sons had to be born, which he didn't have any of his sons until about 100 years before the flood was when his first son was born. Uh, That would have been Japheth. His next son, Shem, was actually born after that. He was 100 years old two years after the flood, so he would have been two years after Japheth. But the point is, they would have been born about 100 years before the flood. Imagine them growing up a little bit, you know, 20 years old, 30 years old, having a wife, and then God makes that statement. So we've estimated anywhere from about 55 to 75 years is when God first gave that command to Noah to start building the ark. Now, the first thing Noah probably did is, well, let's research this out. Let's find out what do we need. You know, he could have became an expert shipbuilder. But, you know, I I sometimes look at this, too, because the Lord says, I want you to build an ark out of wood. And, you know, we're in a culture where people say, can a wooden ship even be built that big? Well, we proved, yes, you can. But see, I wonder how incredible was the technology back in that days. I wonder if when God said, hey, no, I want you to build an ark out of wood. Wood? Who uses wood anymore? (laughs) I wonder if it was sometimes the other way. We Hmm. sometimes don't think of that because of that primitive mindset we have on Noah.
So I love how you have the exhibits here. It's yeah. not just the, the art structure, but you're also helping That's people right. to learn. That's right. That first deck, you know, it has a lot of the, the cages and the animals and that sort of thing. Now we start to do some more of the teaching. For example, right here, we're leading up to the ark. You know, what happened before that? Well, God created everything in six days. He rests on the seventh. It's perfect creation. And it gives us a taste of what the Lord did on each of these different days. There are some Christians that believe that a day wasn't the day. Correct. The Bible, though, yeah. it's you know it's a word that is commonly used for the day. It's morning and evening were the first day. Right. So how would you explain that to people that don't think this was a literal day? Well, here's what's interesting. This idea of millions of years actually comes from rock layers. Uh, so instead of looking at the rock layers as being evidence of the flood of Noah's day, they said, no, 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 no global flood. These rock layers are evidence of slow, gradual accumulations over millions of years. So a lot of Christians then started to buy into that idea, and they thought, well, where do I put these rock layers? Where do I put this millions of years? Well, you can't put it in the genealogies from Adam to Jesus. You just can't put millions of years in there. So they said, we've got to go back before Adam. So they try to put it somewhere in creation week or sometimes even before creation week. But that causes huge problems. One of the biggest problems is a, is a problem called death before sin. Mm. If you have Huge problem. If you have millions of years of rock layers, what do you see in the rock layers? You see, you see death. Animals eating other animals and so forth. So you have death then before Adam's sin, which actually undermines the gospel. You run into other problems. At the end of the creation week, God said all the animals were vegetarian. Yet you look in those rock layers, animals were eating other animals. So you look at the rock yeah. layers and say, you know what that looks like to me? It looks like evidence of a global catastrophe by right. water. And the yeah. Bible actually has an episode that is uh, exactly that. Ex that. Exactly We're standing that. in the ark. That's exactly right. Now, we've had rock layers since the time of the flood, but most would have come from the flood. You know, you think of volcanoes and tsunamis right. we have now, but it's nothing right. compared and That's all very that. localized and small, but this Correct. is rock layers with but, billions and trillions right. of fossils all over the world, and right. these rock layers are consistent around the world. Right, they extend all the way over continents, and they're, they're sometimes paper thin between each other, showing no erosional features and so forth. But the point is, an all-powerful God made everything in six days. This is not a problem for an all-powerful God, and it was a perfect creation. It's because of man's sin that the world is in the state that it's in now, which is why we need a savior to save us from that sin and death. So six literal days of creation, one yep. day of rest. Yep. We have a perfect world, no sorrow, no disease, no right. bloodshed no death, right? we just have no concept of that right? because we're so used to the sin curse. That's right. And the evidence of the sin curse, something that we're going through right now as we're filming this, yep. is the coronavirus scare. Yes. So yep. that's an that's a evidence also of the, of the curse and of that's the right. fallen world. That's right. That's a repercussion of sin. We expect to see death and disease, uh, you know, whether it's coronavirus or MERS or SARS or even the flu, which is deadly every year. Um, you know, we see all sorts of terrible things like that. That should be a reflection of a, a taste of what life is like without God. He's given us a taste. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned against God, we've received that taste of what life is like. And what we need is Jesus Christ to save us from all that. And we look forward to a time when there'll be no more death or suffering or crying or tears. I'll tell you what, that's an exciting time. You know, if we think about this, it was a perfect world. Everything was perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. Their, that first marriage was perfect. I, I, that's tough for us to imagine, a, a perfect marriage. Of course, when they sinned, that perfect marriage was then ruined. But even the concept of marriage, without right. a, a proper understanding of Genesis, we don't know where marriage came from. That's right. And Jesus, when he was asked about divorce and marriage, he actually went back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter exactly. 2, quoted from it, 
that said the basis for marriage is because God created a man and a woman and the two will become one flesh. Eve was made from Adam, so she also is made in the image of God. Man and woman are both made in the image of God and the two then become one flesh at marriage again. So the basis for marriage actually goes back to the Bible. Now what's interesting is cultures all over the world have marriage as well. Now, sometimes they deviate from it, sometimes it's warped. We see that in our own culture right, right. now. People are warping marriage and destroying it. Right. But the point is, they keep borrowing marriage from a biblical viewpoint. And we expect this because God created a man and a woman at the beginning. Marriage survived through the flood. At the Tower of Babel, as people went to different parts of the world, they took the doctrine of marriage with them. So they have a basic understanding of it, but sometimes they don't know where it came from. It actually comes from God and His Word. But without this worldview, we're really going to get messed up in a lot of areas. We're not going right. to understand gender, sexuality, marriage. Right. You're, you're, you're going to not know why is there death, why is there pain and suffering. That's right. But with a biblical understanding, right. this all now makes sense. Right. I mean, it's still, it's still hard because yeah. we're in this world, right. but now we can understand why it has happened. Yeah, and you know what? When I look out in the secular culture and I see all sorts of sexual deviancy, I see all sorts of murders and rapes and all sorts of just terrible things. And, and sometimes Christians go, why is the world like this? They've been raised to be like this. You gotta think, the majority of kids nowadays, about 90% of kids, uh, even in church homes, are, are actually attending state schools. What are you being taught in a lot of these state schools? You're, you're taught that you're just an animal. Everything came from a big bang. There was no God, it created itself. Uh, we've got millions of years of death, pain, struggling and suffering. And then at the end you die, there is ultimately no right, right or wrong. And so people are living their lives that way. It, they see a brokenness within that. We as Christians, we look at that and we see a brokenness in it too. And we're crying out saying, we've got the answers. You've got a wrong worldview. Yeah. You, you rightly recognize these things are bad. There's some, so much evil, so much atrocity. Let me help explain to you why that stuff exists and what the answer to it is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's hope. There is hope. There's salvation. Right. How many animals could fit on Noah's Ark? Did the flood really cover the entire earth? If you're wrestling with the answers to these questions, look no further than InGrace's exciting video series, A Tour of Noah's Ark, where Jim Scudder walks through the amazing Ark encounter in Northern Kentucky with Bodie Hodge, the son-in-law of Answers in Genesis founder, Ken Ham. This incredible series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. And when your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, a walk through creation with Ken Ham and exploring God's oceans. Or get our entire eight series creation bundle for only $100. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to learn about a young earth and explore the beauty of God's world. Call now, 800-78-GRACE or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. And here we have the problem. The first the two chapters of Genesis. Great. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything's great. Very good. Yeah. But now we have the serpent. Right. Right. The serpent is being influenced by Satan, who himself has now rebelled against God. And when Satan fell, it affected himself. It didn't affect the creation. Dominion was given to man and woman. So immediately Satan goes after those who have dominion. And he went after the woman. And in the form of a serpent, he asks the question that gets the woman to basically question the word of God. Did God really say not to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Now it's interesting, the woman's response uh, was not necessarily the best. 
But then, you know, the response wasn't initially given to her, it was given to Adam, it's been transferred through. But her response was, uh, we're allowed to eat from the tree. She took out the word freely, freely eat from any tree. She took out both of those. And then she said, we weren't allowed to touch the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or we'll die immediately. And it's interesting, because she made a few changes in there, the serpent was all over her. The one out of those variations in there, the one that he went at was the word die, to die immediately. In Hebrew, uh, we're told not to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, otherwise we will die. And that's Hebrew, die, die. They use the word twice. And we don't do that in English. But in Hebrew, what that does is it slightly varies the meaning. It means surely die or begin to die. If you'd have just said die once, it means die immediately. So she's not accurately conveying what God said. Right. And it's very important for us to first know what no, God said, but also right. to remember exactly right. what he said, because every word does matter. That's right. So the serpent then comes back and says, you will not die, die. It's actually a very clever deception because basically the serpent quoted what the Lord said back against her. And all of a sudden she goes, oh yeah, that's right. And so at that moment she goes, okay, well, I'm gonna decide. She looks on the fruit, it's desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate. And then she gave some to Adam, he knew exactly what it was and he ate as well. So that plunged us into a world of sin. You know, man and woman had dominion over the earth. That's why God cursed the ground. The whole of creation, according to Romans chapter eight, feels the effects of this curse. So when Adam and Eve fell, the whole dominion fell. The animals fell, everything fell as a result of that particular sin. But when we go back, we sometimes miss that in our English translations. This deception was very clever. We also see Jesus answering the devil differently. Correct. He's answering the devil with the words of God. That's exactly. The exact words of God. So I think there's a lesson for us there, right? There really is. temptation. Yeah, Satan's not afraid to use the word of God, but he'll twist it. That's what he did back here with Eve. That's what he tried to do with Jesus. Jesus saw right through it. We have Adam and Eve being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And if you think about what happened, there's some irony in this. You know, the Lord plants a garden. It's a perfect garden. He presents it to Adam and Eve. All they have to do is tend it. It's ready. But then they elevated their own thoughts to supersede God and decide that they were going to eat from the fruit that God told them not to eat from. So what's the Lord do? You're kicked out of the garden. Go make your own garden. It's really what it is. And a very sad chapter. Yes, we have Cain murdering his brother Abel. Now, if you remember, Abel offered a fat portion. This was a blood sacrifice. He mimicked what God did. Cain brought from his first fruits. Not that first fruits were bad, but it was not a sufficient sacrifice. And the Lord says, you know, if you'd have done well and, and done the right sacrifice, you too would have been, it would have been an acceptable sacrifice. So it makes you wonder, you know, what was running through Cain's mind? Oh, you want a blood sacrifice? Here, take my brother. Well, that's not a blood sacrifice, that's murder. We saw with Cain, we started to see evil really start to progress. Now we see lines and lines of it. All the way up, uh, you know, Lamech, you know, had, had murdered someone and had become a, a polygamous person, you know, so we started to see a deviation from God's created order leading up to the, the time just before the flood. And that leads us to uh, intense godlessness yes. in the world. Yes. We see rampant sin. We see massive amounts of violence, according to the Bible. Every thought was evil all the time. I mean, just try to imagine that for a moment. The murder, the violence, the rape. Just imagine if the whole world's murderers, the population cuts in half in one day. I mean, there was probably a population decline. Uh, usually in an evil culture, the first, first group of people that gets attacked the most are the children. 
You know, throughout evil cultures of the past, people would sacrifice their children to Molech. We're in the same type of a culture. Abortion is rampant and horrible. All throughout the world today, China, it's terrible. The United States, we've lost over 60 million uh, babies. This is what happens when people deviate from God and his word and they buy into evil uh, that's going on. Same sort of thing was probably happening at the times before the flood. And some of these exhibits depict some of that evil. So it all comes to a climax when God says enough, enough. is enough. Right. And I'm gonna do something about this. Right. And he did. He did. He sure did. And you know, a righteous God uh, would judge righteously. And yeah. I think all of us would demand a judge to punish someone that would rape our daughter. Mm -hmm. And if the judge just said, don't worry about it, we would be incensed by it. Oh my, yeah. Because we demand righteousness if we were made by a righteous right. God. But we're upset when he demands righteousness right. and we don't have it. Right. So that would leave us dependent yeah. uh, and trusting in his right. Jesus right. I mean, we look at the time before the flood and we see all sorts of evil and terrible atrocities, but sometimes remember just one sin is enough to deserve that punishment from a perfect uh, God, perfectly pure, perfectly holy God. So that's a reminder for us to want to hate sin. Yeah, and there's enough people that say, I've never murdered anybody. And I'll hear that oh, yeah. from a ton of people. Yeah. Have you ever had hatred in your heart? Bingo. Towards someone? Well, Jesus said that's that's heart murder. That, that's the same thing as murder. So yeah. we all really are in the same we boat. Really we are. all need a savior. And that should humble us. Mm -hmm. That should humble us before Christ. And what we need to realize is, you know, people before Christ uh, that believed in the Lord, that followed the Lord, they were looking forward to the cross. In the same way, we today, we look back to the cross at what Jesus did. When he took that infinite punishment on our behalf, I'll tell you what, there, there's a reason they call it Good Friday, don't they? Because Christ took that punishment that we all deserve right there on the cross. The worst point, the worst time in the world was also the best because yeah. without that, we have nothing. Right. We are, we are just yeah. purposeless and suicide would almost make sense. Yes, and, and that's the culture we're living in. Right. We're in a culture that's very secularized and kids are taught there's no God, there's no right and wrong. So why not commit suicide? You know, what? why not go out and commit all these thefts or, or do all these evil atrocities? Why not lie? That's the culture that we're living in because that's what they've been raised up with. And what we need to do is start giving answers to the world, answers questions about Noah's Ark or about the Garden of Eden, about why sin and death is in the world, why you need a savior in the first place, why the Bible is true and why it's the authority in your lives. And all of a sudden you start to see perspectives change when the Holy Spirit can use that sort of stuff to go in and change people's hearts and minds. I hope that today this program has given you some answers. This is the picture of salvation. People are finding themselves hopeless. They're finding that they're, they're trying to satisfy their, their longings and they're not finding anything to satisfy it. Somebody said there's a God-shaped vacuum in our soul. We need God, but we're trying to find him by our own efforts, by our own way. There's only one way, and that's through the door. There was only one way for Noah and his family to go into the ark. They had to go through that door. But there was a time when that door closed. There is a coming judgment. You have a door that's open to you today. Jesus, the Son of God, said that he is 
the door. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life, that there's no other way to get to heaven but by him. You say, well, I'm not sure about all this. Here's, here's my challenge to you. They say, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Jesus, the Son of God, came and died for your sins, and the door is open. And I just urge you and challenge you to walk through that door. You don't know when that door will close. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. How many animals could fit on Noah's Ark? Did the flood really cover the entire earth? If you're wrestling with the answers to these questions, look no further than InGrace's exciting video series, A Tour of Noah's Ark, where Jim Scudder walks through the amazing Ark encounter in Northern Kentucky with Bodie Hodge, the son-in-law of Answers in Genesis founder, Ken Ham. This incredible series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. And when your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, A Walk Through Creation with Ken Ham and Exploring God's Oceans. Or get our entire eight-series creation bundle for only $100. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to learn about a young earth and explore the beauty of God's world. Call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in next week as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.